Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to the Create Me Podcast. This is going to be episode 51 and it's with local actress, film producer and model Chloe Johnson. I had a really cool chat with Chloe. Um, Spoke about a lot of interesting um, topics during our episodes. I hope you guys enjoy. I'll catch up with you briefly at the end. Alright, see you soon. Hello and welcome to the Creamy Podcast. Yeah, so this is going to be episode 51 from the Anatomy Room studio space and today's guest is Chloe Johnson. She is an actress, model and film producer. How's it going, Chloe? I'm really good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast and stuff. Oh, not yeah. at all, not at all. It really, um, it's nice to kind of really uh, get into um, and be involved in stuff that yeah. as well, like promotes the talent with Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And Chloe, just before we get into our chat... Um, if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and how you got into all the stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I am a filmmaker and an actor. Um, I started like properly taking it seriously about uh, 2016-ish. Um, so I was kind of, I was in school and, you know, I was doing the drama and like all the kind of school plays and that and um, I actually decided once getting an opportunity with the BFI, uh, the British Film Institution, yeah. they run a film academy that was up here in, uh, with Schmoot, and um, yeah, they were they were really good, they taught me a lot, and uh, previously I was always like, no, I don't think I could really be an actor, it's a hobby, right. and actually when I really got into it, it kind of opened my eyes so okay. much to everything that uh, film has to offer, mm-hmm. and, and theatre as well, mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, I started doing a lot more theatre when I was acting as well, so getting into different mediums, but yeah, so that was kind of the thing that really kind of brought me out of my shell as such, okay. and uh, piqued my interest in film, yeah. Okay, and so are you originally from Aberdeen? I am, okay. yes, the accent would tell, would, tell <laughs> would beg to differ, but yes, right. uh, I am from Aberdeen. Okay, and what what school was you at then, when you were kind of having that interest in drama, where did you go to I school? went to Aberdeen Grammar. Okay. Um, they kind of did musicals, which wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. So I started to seek opportunities outside. Yeah. Um, I had the privilege of being part of the National Theatre of Scotland's production, not only of uh, Nothing to See Here when I was about 12. That was through my primary school, mm-hmm. though. I didn't really have an interest in theatre. It was just something we did. And yeah. afterwards, I was like, wow, I actually did that. Right. And then Granite in 2016, which, funnily enough, was in the Marshall College just behind us. Okay. And that really told the story of Aberdeen. So that's what really kind of got me into it when yeah. I was in school. Yeah. So what kind of gave your interest when you were younger to actually kind of explore that kind of side of creativity in performing? I used to play guitar. Uh, my dad was a guitar teacher. And so being in a kind of musical household, it was kind of all around me as such I couldn't really escape it. Yeah. Uh, my mum was also really interested in art. So it was kind of already a creative environment there. Being in school, uh, I decided guitar wasn't really my thing, and I started picking up singing as well, and was part of the school choirs, and then as I said, I started to do drama within school. I actually didn't like drama <laughs> when I, I was in right. primary school. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of told to do 
like the school play, the nativity, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It wasn't really my bag, but actually getting to secondary school and learning drama as a proper class, actually, it was so fun because we, I almost kind of felt like I was five again and just yeah. being able to play and be creative because you get to create like a whole different identity as such. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was something that really, it was nice to be able to study it and then that kind of led me on to other things. Yeah, just kind of going back to what you said about um, the British Film Institute and being mm-hmm. involved with them along with Shmoo, um, that sounds like obviously it was a very kind of eye-opening experience for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was, I met one of the uh, people who runs the BFI mm-hmm. at a film festival uh, that was in Aberdeen and he invited me to come along uh, to be on the course mm-hmm. and at the when I started because I'd already decided I wanted to do acting by that yeah. stage but I was kind of like what's film nah that that doesn't seem like my bag I'm a uh, theatre actor uh, <laughs> and um, you know as most dramatic 16 year olds do yeah. <laughs> and um, it really kind of opened my eyes because I realised actually wow mm-hmm. most people don't sit through the credits on a film yeah. it's five minutes of just name scrolling yeah. and I was kind of like I mean thir- What's a, what's a third AC? Who's that? Nobody cares about that. But actually, being in film and seeing and being told about it, I was like, wow, that third AC is really important now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it told me all about the different departments and the roles and responsibilities within each of those departments and just generally how much work you might be seeing. Like, say, to, I take a short film, for example. That's five to ten minutes worth of screen time. Yeah. That's probably like a week of filming. Yeah. Months and months of preparation beforehand and then months and months of editing and everything afterwards and it really kind of actually quite shocked me because I didn't realize any of this until I actually had to then go and do it yeah. and uh, I did BFI for two years so one year I did it as and I acted mainly in the film and then the second year I went back and I started I went ah, producing that sounds fun and actually it fit me perfectly it fit my skill set perfectly and I really really enjoyed it yeah so what kind of projects have you been involved in in terms of actually Actually, first we start with the acting. Start with actors. Like, what kind of like acting projects, or film, or TV stuff that you've been involved with today? Um, most recently, I did Children of Kronos with Crowhouse Projects, a local Aberdeen company, and that was the first sci-fi that I'd been involved with. Oh, okay. So it was really cool. Something totally different. Yeah. Um, really, really cool. It's like, uh, how can I describe it? Um. Like Star Wars meets Mad Max. Oh, okay. Um, really cool. So bit of like a dystopian kind yeah, of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, really nice message uh, in the film as yeah. well. So that really appealed to me. Um, really nice bunch of crew. So then working backwards from that, uh, what else have I done? Um, I was also involved in quite a few of the college filming projects as well. One of them being Dune, right. um, which then led me to make a whole lot of other contacts and I'm now working with them on producing things and acting in other films. So then, kind of working even further back from that, I started to do quite a bit of theatre. I engaged in that side a lot more. I've worked with quite a few local theatre production companies. Um, There was, I think it operated under the name Hidden Tours Aberdeen. Okay, yeah. 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 So I've done a few uh, great bunch of guys to work with there. yeah, so we did actually a project in the anatomy rooms itself, right. and it was a really nice historical project um, where we were looking at like all things to do with the anatomy rooms and doctors at that time. I actually played a woman who pretended to be a doctor, okay. no, not pretended to be a doctor, pretended yeah. to be a man, so that she could be uh, a doctor because 
obviously during the 1800s, women couldn't be doctors, yeah. so they had to dress up. Was, was as this men. based on the real character then? Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, the character herself wasn't a real person, mm. but the, uh, there were quite a few women at the time that were protected. Yeah. There was right. one woman that went for about 50 years and wow. um, pretended to be a man, and she was like world. She was really renowned within Scotland, which wow. was absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, when I was researching that, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" <laughs> and yeah, it was only actually when they died, when she died, that people went, "Hang on, oh. that's <laughs> not a man." Um, but no, people didn't question it. Uh, yeah. She was such a good doctor that people were just oh, happy okay. to go to her for help. So yeah. it was really nice being able to research that and then implement it in a character and share yeah. that history with other people because it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, that sounds really mm -hmm. good. Like you know, I guess like. Um, Aberdeen being a small place, what was your initial thoughts about, you know, um, developing, like, your craft or, like, you know, um, engaging in, like, new learning opportunities by being based in Aberdeen? Did you thought that was, like, did you feel like that was going to be quite limiting? Did you automatically think I need to be in Edinburgh, Glasgow or London? I think it's no secret that most of the industry is in Glasgow, Edinburgh, London. Yeah. In Scotland itself, definitely Central Belt. Mm. Having said that, though, um, at the time, I mean, when I started taking properly when I was 16, I went to go and see a knee-highs production of Rebecca in the His Majesty's Theatre, because I was kind of like, oh, well, when I, when I leave school, I'll go to university in Edinburgh, Glasgow, I can't stand to get out, I can't stand Aberdeen, I can't wait to get out, yeah. there's no way I'm ever going to be able to build a career here. I was wrong. Um, Aberdeen's one of those cities where you have to dig a little bit deeper, and then you actually find there's quite a lot going on. From the surface, it doesn't seem like there's much, but once you start making connections, start networking, you realise there's a lot more going on than actually one would first think. Yeah. So when I saw this, and I saw this production, I spoke to the cast afterwards, and they said, well, yes, just kind of hold your horse there yeah. for a bit. Yes, everyone wants to come to London, and you know that's great if you want to do that, but you're better actually building a career where you are first, mm -hmm. and then being able to take those skills that you learn there elsewhere into a bigger yeah. place because then that means that you've already kind of got somewhere on age somewhere to go back to yeah. if uh, you know things don't work out but also it means you can build on your connections you can then start taking people from one place or another so I went to Vancouver in summer last year and now I've got connections like one of my best friends is in now in Brazil oh, okay. uh, one of them's in Sydney yeah. Uh, one of them's in the middle of America, yeah. and um, yeah, so building kind of a base in Aberdeen then allows me to go down to places like the Central Belt and go across to even places 3,000 miles away like yeah. Vancouver and actually start building connections there and you've got something to kind of bring back to Aberdeen as such. Yeah, and the purpose of going to Vancouver, was that a part of a project? Or? Yeah, so I went to the Vancouver Film School uh, for an induction course. I'm thinking of studying there. Okay. Um, so I'm doing my undergrad here first and then going to do a master's in producing either London, Los Angeles or Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. And um, yeah, so I went to the Vancouver Film School. I met a, really bunch of, a bunch of really cool people, saw how they did things across the pond. I actually, you'd be surprised with how kind of different the industry can be. Uh, okay, in, even what, across. in what kind of way? Um, Particularly when it comes to laws, number one, I mean, that's the thing that would apply to me the most as a producer is like laws, how things are funded, how you go about making sure like legislation and that is different, obviously, because they're different countries. Yeah. 
but also um, just how the attitudes are slightly different. Okay. I mean, there is a more developed film industry within Vancouver, mm-hmm. but also things like even how the departments work and interact with each other is quite different. What one person, like the gaffer's responsibility, the person who's in charge of lighting here, is only within the electrical department, whereas no, over there is only in the electrical department, whereas here they're responsible for a bit more. Okay. So learning kind of different things, it's really nice to be able to take knowledge from one place yeah. and then kind of try it in another place and mm-hmm. see how it all kind of builds up, yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds really interesting, like, and um, the Vancouver thing, did that just come up just by, again, networking? You saw that opportunity and you just went out there last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mum had kind of previously gone out because we've got relatives over there. Yeah. Uh, so very luckily I was able to stay with them I went for a month okay. uh, my mum recommended she'd seen like just walking down she was like oh they've got a film school Chloe might like that mm-hmm. and so uh, she was texting me about it and I looked into it and I was like that looks so cool I want to go there uh, I would want to travel anyway and Vancouver just seemed perfect yeah. for me um, really really like the place mm-hmm. uh, love the people there can't wait to go back Hi. but um, yeah I decided that I would go for a bit longer really get to know the place a lot more because I wanted to go to film school I also uh, know a few people over there through actually networking there's people here that have come to uh, Los Angeles and uh, okay. Canada yeah. and made connections there so I was mm-hmm. able to meet people there chat with them work with them on a few things and um, yeah so I've got a couple of business connections there too which is really nice that's really good and I guess like you know overall I definitely get a sense that um, putting yourself out there and networking is very important, especially in like your kind of the career path that you're going into. You need to put yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, filmmakers cast and hire their friends. <laughs> it's yeah. like look at people like Quentin Tarantino, yeah. for example. Always hire Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. They're partners in crime, you know. Yeah. Um, same as people like uh, Tim Burton, Helena Bonham Carter, Johnny yeah. Depp. All work together. So. Networking, yeah, you want to make as many friends as possible because you never know where it leads you. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've now got friends in Los Angeles who came over here to work on a project with Crow House and, you know, now I talk to them on a daily basis, which is awesome because now it means when I want to go out there, not only do I have somewhere to stay that's a lot cheaper because Los Angeles (laughs) is quite expensive, but also it means that I've got friends that I can go over there, chat with, work with, and from them then I can develop even more networking. And, you know, that's something that's really, really nice, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think, like, this is probably my kind of view, uh, do you feel like places like Hollywood or LA and that film industry abroad, do you think it can be quite fickle, especially all the whole things that have been going on in the the past couple of years? It's like, you know, a lot of inappropriate kind of behaviour and stuff like that. How do you kind of feel about dipping your toes into that kind of scene and, you know, that kind of world... I think somewhere like Hollywood is so huge. Well, it's weird because on one hand it's huge coming from somewhere like Aberdeen, which globally, uh, if you were to put it in perspective, really isn't anywhere near as developed as somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when you go over there, um, unless you've got a huge career over here first, and I'm not just talking about Scotland, I'm talking about in the UK, like say if you're like a really well-known actor in the UK, to then go over there, you're probably going to have a few more opportunities because yeah. they'll they'll know of you. Mm-hmm. So for me to just kind of like go over there, it is kind of like being a tiny, tiny minnow in the ocean yeah. as such. But actually, I think that's really awesome, though, in some ways, because it can be very daunting because you're like, oh my God, I'm so small in this huge industry. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's not as big as you think it is. That, hence why 
things like Me Too and um, you know all these scandals and that they are coming out because mm-hmm. it's a lot smaller than you think it is. Yeah. People talk a lot, which means going back to networking, reputation is also very very important. Yeah. Um, wherever you are, mm-hmm. doesn't matter uh, if you're in Hollywood or in Aberdeen. Um, it's really good that these things are coming out because yeah. actually it kind of shows people well, yeah, you're not actually as invincible as you think you are. Yeah, and, um, you know, the world is a smaller place than you might think it is. So for things like that, it, it can be daunting going there to begin with, but you get, there's such a huge sea of talent over there. That yeah. means you can actually work with so many different people mm-hmm. and experience so many different styles. Um, just people in general, you get to mix with different cultures, different traditions, people's different visions. It's it's really cool. Um so whilst you know there is that kind of flip side and one could argue because it's so big some cases kind of do end up going under the radar because it's so big and you know as I said reputation there have been and it's been publicly seen that people are threatening with like oh well you'll never work again if you say that at the same time it's not that big um that you know people can talk things like this do come out and you know there are opportunities when you actually go looking for them yeah and I guess it's kind of like, it's important, isn't it, that, you know, um, we're in a time now where people's voices, you know, and their stories are, can be, do you want to drink water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, um, you know, people's voices can be heard and are seen as valid and not being like, you know, I guess in like the 80s or 90s or early 2000s and being dismissed or this kind of thing that, oh, that person's just got like a, like a very bad attitude and stuff. I think that kind of those kind of turn of events or things that have happened in the past couple of years it seems like it's way overdue and it needed to happen mm, definitely you know? so, I mean, yeah. yeah there are things that I I mean even myself in Aberdeen mm-hmm. have experienced a bit of discrimination okay um, for example like I could be saying something and technically not that I'm one for really like respect like there is obviously a hierarchy in mm-hmm. film that you know for the kind of for the system to work it has to be so myself and someone who's the same qualification or actually below me in the hierarchy, not that I would see that as much of a problem, but um, if they were male, I could tell someone to do something and uh, they went, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. I then got my male colleague to yeah. tell them who oh, actually was right. technically yeah. below me and they went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. fine, yeah, I'll do that. And I was like... And how does that kind of make uh, you feel though when you see that and you experience that? Um, quite angry, <laughs> to be honest, quite angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of think... It shouldn't matter what gender I am. Mm-hmm. If I'm in charge, I'm not asking you to do it because it's of like a trivial reason. There's a reason why I'm asking you to do something. Yeah. So, you know, that should be respected and not just kind of, especially being a young woman, mm-hmm. um, people kind of just sort of sometimes, not everyone, thankfully, um, some people just kind of pat you in the head and go, yeah, yeah, don't you worry pretty little head about it. And I was right. like, and then, you know, you're kind of <laughs> red-faced steam coming out of your ears because you're so angry. But then... Yeah. On the plus side, you know, things like this, now people are calling people out for that. Yeah. I personally now feel a lot more confident to go, excuse me? Oh, yeah. What did you just say to yeah. me? <laughs> Do you want to repeat that? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I think most of it actually comes out of ignorance mm-hmm. or people thinking they're being funny. And yeah. as soon as you call them out on it, uh, they go, oh, my God, I didn't realise. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of, as much as you kind of go, well, you should know, um, you know, you do have to sometimes have a bit of leniency because I do think some people, like, they don't mean to be offensive. They yeah. just accidentally are. Yeah. And when you kind of point that out to them, they realise, okay, actually, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you can work fine together again. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, mm. like, I guess, like, you know, you're going to, like, you know, plan the kind of moving abroad and stuff. Is this kind of something, mm. you know, it's very much in, like, probably in my kind of, like, kind of thought system about, like, the way the world is working and how that kind of industry is and stuff. And I have a very mm. positive, like, you know, um, outlook. I think a lot of stuff has definitely changed in terms of, like, representation, you know, mm. like, mm. for people, like, you know, for different genders. I think that's kind of grown a, a bit more now, you know, like, you know, more female leading stuff and people mm-hmm. from minorities I think that's kind of all great and brilliant but I hope it's not going to be like a fad mm-hmm. you know I hope it's mm-hmm. going to be like, oh yeah we've done that we take that box and stuff you know? definitely yeah. I mean there is sometimes positive discrimination and mm-hmm. you know as as bad as it is to say sometimes that can land you jobs for the it's still for the wrong reason yeah. but you know part of me kind of has to think well okay take for example um there is a clause that actors can put in their contract yeah. saying that half the crew have to be female. Mm-hmm. And I think in the short term, this works really well. Yeah. Because in the short term, it's getting women into jobs. Mm-hmm. Women who are probably equally as competent at their jobs as men, mm-hmm. but maybe just aren't being hired because they're women. Yeah. Say, for example, like pregnant women. Pregnant women are just as able to work. I mean... Uh, the cinematographer of Black Panther, her name escapes me for the moment, but um, yeah, she was pregnant and is still easily able to do her job. Yeah. Amazing cinematographer. And, um, you know, there's so have some people going, oh, well, you're pregnant, you want to go on maternity leave, are you going to have the baby before the job's done? Yeah. And you're like, well, no, actually. Um, so she's a perfect example of that. So I think in the short term, it works because it's giving women a platform to be able to say, hey, look, we also have the skills so that then hopefully in the long run, my hope is, is that people, because they're able to show their skill sets, will go, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that person is really good for the job. Not, oh, that woman or that person from a minority is in. It's because they're genuinely the best person for the job and it shouldn't then matter because they're given the platform to show their skills. Mm -hmm. LGBT actors, actors of uh, ethnic minorities, female actors, I mean... I think I saw from a few years ago the statistics, I don't know if they're still the same, but um, it was five male actors for every female actress. Oh, okay. Similar, um, I think it was pretty much the same statistics for women in technical roles, okay. for every male in technical roles. No, every five males, there's only one female. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that because this allows women and, you know, hopefully other minorities to get in to um, have a platform... They should then be able to get the jobs based not on their gender or any other tick box yeah. factors, but because they are the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, no, definitely, I hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. And like going back to like you know we kind of covered a bit about the whole acting aspect of what you do, but also mm-hmm. going going covering the like film producing kind of um, the other role you have. Like mm-hmm. so, like how did that bit kind of come about? And also, what kind of projects have you been involved in? Producing wise, yeah. yeah um, so as I said, BFI, I kind of did for a second year, and I just sort of looked at it because you're allowed to do like uh, you're given a role, and then they teach you kind of how to do it. Yeah. And uh, so I was a bit familiar, and I was like, well, you know, I don't want to do acting again. Um, I want to learn more about the technical side. Uh, directing, everyone's going to go for that. Cinematographer, everyone's going to go for that. Yeah. Ah, producing, that looks fun. Yeah. And actually, it turned out great because. Um, 
you know, it's a very, like, it's a leadership role, and I do consider myself a leader. Other people call me bossy, but um, <laughs> I, I beg to differ. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's very, like, leader-based, management-based. I'm my mum's manager, so right. maybe that's where I get it from. But uh, it's kind of nice then having someone to kind of confer back, because it's in a different industry, but management's management, you know. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, yeah, so I kind of got into it and I actually found, as I was doing it, I absolutely loved it because I'm one of those people that um, I like to, you know, cross all the T's, dot all the I's. And this kind of suited me perfectly because I was able to kind of get creative control because things... With producers, I mean, no one in the history of film has ever looked at a film and went, you know what I love about that? The producing. (laughs) But the producer is one of the most important people because without the producer... Film doesn't get made. Um, you know, everyone kind of goes, oh, the directing, oh, the cinematography, but those people wouldn't even be on set if it weren't for the fact that the producer picked up the film in the first no. place. So for me, it was really nice because you basically are like the overarching person that um, gets to tell the story as such. And you, whilst everyone kind of, you help everyone make their the story that you're wanting to tell i always kind of liken it to being like the dark star to everyone else's supernova so um you know because the producers put everything in place and hired all the equipment and gotten all the people that need to be there um yeah it's really nice because then you get to let those people shine and do their work and you're kind of you're creating an environment where people can be creative and do the best job that they can to be able to essentially tell your story and it sounds like oh no like being a producer this isn't like you know I'm probably probably quite a laid back person but it seems like quite like that would be quite a demanding job very demanding yeah Yeah. um I would say that like at any one time I mean I'm producing some of the Nezcall short films college short films at the moment I can only take about three on it's very demanding um I mean I the last film that I produced that's some water (laughs) my sore throat Um, yeah, the last film I did, Piano Man, took me about three months to plan, and that is, what, a 15-page script? Okay. So it's it's very demanding. I mean, part of it was that I was also in Canada at the time, which right. in some ways, you know, did slow um, it down. There was, I'd, um, the director would be like, oh, uh, can we have a conversation? I'd be like, no, Lee, it's two in the morning. <laughs> Call me in the morning. Yeah, but then it's two in the morning over here. Oh, dear. So, you know, you have to compromise, um... So, yeah, that took about three months to be able to plan everything, but it was executed brilliantly, yeah. um, which I'm very, very proud of, and I'm proud of everyone that was involved with it. So it is very time-consuming. It's very stressful, especially because there's so many different types of producers, but the one that I'm most interested in being is the creative producer. Right. So there are, like, the essential... When you see film credits and it says produced by, that's essentially... like They're the top dogs. Yeah. Uh, the only people that they kind of answer to them would be studios execs etc so they're kind of the people that are mainly in charge so it is very time consuming when it's only one person so mostly in films like that you'd see you know these feature films like there's five producers on it and they're the people that say for example at the oscars they're the ones that pick up the best film award and there's about three or three to five and you're kind of like who are these people yeah these random people (laughs) yeah but actually like they're the people that made the film happen and so for the short films, I usually produce solo, but um, on bigger projects, I'd probably like to get someone else in as well to help produce with, because there's so many things that 
things that you didn't even know were things have to be accounted for, like yeah. uh, catering, toilets. Huge one, everyone forgets, but like you're on set for 10, 12 hours a day at least easily. People need to go to the toilet, people need to eat. Transport, how are people going to get to your set if you're in a remote location? Um, you know, legalities. Um, people always assume there's so much money in film when there's really not. Okay, very limited. It's budget. a limited pool and people like to sue, especially across the pond. Yeah. Everyone, Everyone's out to make money. And, you know, even take something like The Avengers, for example. Yeah. Loads and loads of money spent on that if you look at their budget. But actually, when you break it down... The box office stuff they made, their budget, they need to pay all that back to their investors first. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they can start putting uh, mm-hmm. money in. So they use the budget that they're given from their investors, pay everyone on the crew and everything to make the film. Yeah. Box office comes in, that, uh, I don't know how much it is, I can't remember how much it is in pounds, it's something like about half a billion dollars, yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, it was like something like $500 million, I want to say. Jeez. Something like that on budget, maybe a bit less than that. Right. Um, but yeah, they have to pay all that back first, then they can start making money. Mm-hmm. And um, so actually, when you look at there's there's not that much money. I mean, that's something that's very high amounts, but then you have to con- take, take into consideration like taxes, mm-hmm. paying other people back, um, companies that are involved that they want their shares. So like once you've taken that huge pot of money, like you hear these films going, oh, it's broken the box office. Yeah. And yes... To a layperson, that sounds like a lot of money that they're getting back. But actually, when you break it down, it's not actually as much as you would first think. So legalities are a huge one uh, in terms of like waiver forms, insurance, health and safety. It's one of the most boringest things (laughs) ever. But it's so important because um, when you're on set, like you don't realize how important it is until something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, on Piano Man, thankfully, nothing went wrong. Uh, but we were in a location that was pretty dodgy. And um, the places that we were uh, was houses that were set for demolition, but they weren't... The particular house we were in was scheduled for, like, six weeks later. So we were still able to get in. It was still functioning enough. And I made sure purposely that, like, the police were aware that we were there and um, that, you know, all the location permits... All the insurance covered it because it was like, you know, it's kind of like being a mother to a whole load of like, <laughs> like tiny puppies, basically. Yeah. It's how I describe it. It's like, uh, you know. Make sure nothing goes off yeah, the road. Yeah, or yeah, basically. Like, it's kind of like herding like this load yeah. of like babies. And like, you know, like your, your film, your crew, like they do become like your family. Yeah. And you want, you know, you, ha- you want to do good by them. You want to make sure they're okay. So things like that, like we had like a couple of people who were, because um, there was a couple of gangs actually nearby oh, right. that then came down and were like, oh, hi, what are you doing? Yeah. And we were like, we've got location permit, please leave us alone. <laughs> also the police are aware. <laughs> and they're kind of like, mm. And like that already put the kind of crew on edge because yeah. they're like, are we meant to be there? I was like, it's okay. The relevant, be- the people that are important need to know mm-hmm. and need to know where we are, know everything. We've got insurance because, you know, it is, it's a... Like, we've got, we had, like, insurance from the council, because yeah. part of the permissions that they gave us insurance, and we also had our own production insurance, because, you know, it's it's a broken building. Yeah. Uh, if someone hurts themselves, that's not good, not only for them, but, you know, say if, I don't know, the roof caved in, not that it was going to, right. but, and that's, so that could be someone that's trapped underneath that, that's not able yeah. to work for the rest of their life, yeah. you know? I don't want that on my conscience, let alone... <laughs> Uh, any kind of legal legalities, so that's something that's super, super important. I think people, 
everyone kind of goes, oh, health and safety, oh, God. Well, but it is needed, one yeah. of the most important things yeah. because you need to make sure... When you're filling it in, it's things that you don't even think are things <laughs> suddenly become huge dramas. Uh-huh. I was working on... Uh, it was one of the first sh- films I produced, actually. We were working with a whole lot of little kids uh, in a car park. Uh, it was closed off. Yeah. Um, but there was, like, chuckies and gravel on it. Oh, yeah. I had to write down, oh, what if a child slips in the uh, gravel? What if there's glass in the gravel? There's adults that vape. What if, you know, one of them's allergic to something? There's sweets. What if someone chokes? And, like, especially when you're working with children, uh, everything becomes, like, even more heightened. Um, You have to be even more aware of things. At one stage, I, like, literally halfway through reading it, like, the health and safety thing, I noticed a cat walking by and I went, better write that on the list. What if the cat attacks someone or someone gets clawed? And sure enough, one of the kids went, oh, little cat. And I was like, don't touch it. <laughs> um, and like it, like it hissed at them. And I was like, just, just leave it alone. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't want you getting clawed. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's kind of things that you wouldn't think are things suddenly become really important. And I mean, part of me kind of thinks it's common sense. But actually, when you've got, when you have to list everything down, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. Yeah. And that's why on bigger productions, you have department heads and people that kind of work on you because it's far too much for one person to manage but um yeah it's producing it's all the kind of it's really it can be really creative and it's really cool because you get to work with a whole lot of people and help them build a vision that's kind of with your vision but also you're responsible for them Mm -hmm. and uh making sure not only that they're kept happy and have all the things that they need to do their job but also that generally their happiness as a human being yeah. actually is met on set because you know it is tiring people get grumpy they're long days you know people people need food catering is like the most appreciated department even the coffee runner oh, is the most appreciated person because when you've had to be standing up for three hours concentrating on something when someone hands you a nice hot latte you're like oh thank god uh, um so yeah 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 like so one thing i wanted to ask you like um where do you think your passion lies most? Is it the acting, modelling, or the film producing? Uh, so modelling something I've gotten into quite recently, mm-hmm. just as an add-on to acting. Yeah. Um, I like I enjoy being in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. It helps me as well, like learn about different camera angles as an actor as well. Um, I'm pretty divided <laughs> on. Right. Uh, I had to work this out for my UCAS application. Do I apply to film? Do I apply to travel? Right. Oh. <laughs> uh, both basically. I actually couldn't choose yeah. um, between acting and producing. Um, they're both so different. It's nice because it's not like you it's not like being a, a one man band yeah. as such. Like when you see sometimes like, oh, someone wrote it and directed it and starred in it, um, it becomes a bit too much. Yeah. But acting and producing are so diverse because one's super creative and super performance based. Um, and then producing's totally opposite, you know, you're behind the camera kind of out of the way as yeah. such. Um you're more like the power behind the throne as opposed to being in the spotlight. So I don't like act and produce on the projects that I work on. Yeah. Uh, that's just far too much hard work. Been there, done that. Not, right. a, <laughs> uh, not so good. But um, yeah, so I would say that both of them are so different and they both allow for so much creativity in their own way that I genuinely couldn't choose between okay. them. Yeah. yeah, and like thinking way ahead now of like in your future, like mm-hmm. is there kind of like an ideal kind of project you'd love to be a producer of hmm that's a good question um i mean i've got a few projects in the work for features at the moment um not going to be made let's you kind of get what you call like the money wall um so you have to get you can only get to a certain point and then you have to get funding to be able to make it properly 
Um, I mean, you probably could do it on zero budget, but then it would just be awful. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I have got like some ideas in the works, but I think I I have got one short that I'm actually working with a writer down in London with at the moment. Um, I really do like telling female-based stories. So looking way, way ahead, um, I suppose it's not so much a project, but I really want to own my own film studio. Right. And not only like studios as in the sense of a company, but actual physical studio. I really want to build one of those and own it so I can make my own projects. Yeah. Um, I really like collaborating with other people to help them make their projects. Um, so that would definitely be... That's my main goal, is to have that. And also potentially a theatre company as well attached okay. to it. Cool. Um, film is mainly where I'm at, but um, I really enjoy uh, theatre as well. Again, um, as an actor, probably I do prefer theatre um, just because it, you get like a real, like, you get a totally different buzz and vibe when you're in theatre because it's live uh, yeah. performance. And, you know, so I really like to work with the National Theatre. They're like up there for me they're one of my absolute favoriteest companies of all time but in terms of film yeah I'd, my goal is actually more to have like a film studios and be able to produce films okay. from my studio no, that sounds really good and like where can the listeners kind of find you across social media facebook and instagram probably like more active professionally um on instagram mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's where i like post all my work um, got a lot of modelling pictures on there at the moment, so it's just pictures of my sh- smiley face. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, yeah, I mean, it's kind of slightly more personal, but yeah. I mean, there's enough on there that um, people could look through and still see like a professional and portfolio. On your Instagram yeah. or Facebook, do you have a website as well? Is there a link to your I bio do. Um, I've got a link on my Instagram bio to my website, which I also put blog posts on and those are also linked into Facebook as well so the one uh, post I have on at the moment is me saying my experiences as acting as Nikita in Children of Kronos okay cool so and that's this under Chloe Johnson we can find you yeah so my uh, yeah if you type in Chloe Johnson there's an umlaut over my E so there's two dots for people who don't know what an umlaut is um yeah so Chloe Johnson or uh Chloe Jo under Score. Underscore, underscore, yeah, underscore, under yeah. underscore, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not the one that's in the middle, underscore. <laughs> uh, that yeah. line underneath. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, Joe, J-O-18. Okay. Well, no, Chloe, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Kind of look forward to seeing like where your kind of creative journey, where that leads to, and definitely come back on as well for yeah, a chat. Absolutely, talk yeah. about some more projects that you're kind of getting involved in. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you for coming on, being episode 51 of the Create Me podcast and I hope you guys enjoyed our chat and I'll catch up with you soon alright bye for now so yeah that was episode 51 with Chloe Johnson definitely would like to thank Chloe for coming on the podcast and sharing her creative journey with us definitely look forward to seeing what she gets up to for the rest of the year and next week is going to be episode 52 with V-Lad. Really cool guy, man. Had a really great chat with him. Um, did something a little different for that episode as well. Um, there's going to be a little kind of competition and more details about that um, next week, Monday. Um, you can look out for that in the um, episode description. And kind of um, V-Lad kind of gives us a bit of kind of details what you need to do to kind of enter the competition as well. So, yeah, I hope you guys, you know, tune in for that episode. And I'll see you then. All right. Bye for now, guys.